0: Oh, it's our new fancy sermon recording device. It's another phone. I know. <laughs> Dirt tech, that's what we have. Dirt tech. Can you turn me down a little bit because I don't even like my own voice at all? Okay. Um, so Paul's addressing the the uh, Corinthians churches. They're, they're, you know, I follow Paul. I follow Peter. I follow all these people. And it's like, wait a minute. Wait, we follow Jesus. And so um, in the end of the letter... He implores them to, in his words, says, say the same thing. And to it's essentially to be of one mind on Jesus and his, his death and his resurrection. Uh, let me read uh, the First Corinthians 1 part of that and then uh, 1 Corinthians 15 part. He says, now I urge you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you should agree in what you say. That there be no divisions among you, that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. This is concerning Christ's death and resurrection, specifically. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you believe in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And so, part of us being on the same page about Jesus is believing what the Scriptures say about Him, and in this context, particularly His death and resurrection. Now, uh, according to Paul, and uh, I'm, I'm good with him on this, is that if, if we're in agreement on Christ, on his gospel, his, his death and his resurrection, and we're in agreement on that, we're saying the same thing. That is the fundamental deal that the Lord's after in his church. All the other stuff is pretty much secondary. <laughs> Although, what you'll find is, <clears throat> depending on what you believe about certain things, That feeds back into the person of Christ and his life and death and resurrection. And so it's not always quite so straightforward, but the the cool thing I think that Paul is imploring us to do is like, look, let's just get this right. The rest of that stuff will take shape over time. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of God, right? And the scriptures called the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, so Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're all of the same mind. So they're speaking the same thing to us. And so if we're going to get this, if we are going to understand who Christ is, it's going to come clear based upon particularly that we understand his death and resurrection appropriately. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So um, when Paul is talking about uh, this according to the scriptures, right? He's talking about the Old Testament because they didn't have the New Testament in Paul's time. Paul actually didn't know that he was writing the New Testament uh, when he was writing it. Although there, are, there is some evidence that Paul's letters to various churches were being circulated church to church and kind of used as scripture even in his day or shortly after his day. And so uh, what Paul is referring to is the prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus. Alfred Edersheim, anybody read Edersheim? It's, it's, uh, it's laborious, but worth it. Um, very, a lot of details. He wrote extensively on Jesus and the culture of his time on earth. And, and in his reckoning, there are at least 456 passages in the Old Testament that Jewish rabbis historically have interpreted as being about the Messiah. Uh, now, it's and I going into this, I just have to say uh, it, it takes me dangerously close to like the whole apologetics thing, which has become such a thing. It's not supposed to be. And uh, I'm fine for making a case for Christ, but I just don't want to get into that. Like, come on, let's go for it, man. Let's do this. I will beat you down with Jesus, um, with all my proofs, you know. And I'll. It's just that's not. That's not how it goes. So I don't want to go there in my heart and in my mind and in my words. But what I do I want to talk about is just the facts, the stuff that's there, right? Just plain old. It's here. So let's just let's just deal with it. Um. Uh, so. It's said that Jesus has fulfilled over 300 of these 456 prophecies. Kind of a big deal. Um, now, here, here we go into the apologetics world, right? The odds, right, <laughs> of one person fulfilling eight prophecies is one in one quadrillion. Uh, uh, the odds of one person fulfilling 48 proper, uh, prophecies is one in in 10 to the 157th power. The, per, the, the chances of one person fulfilling 300 prophecies is, well, Jesus. Yeah. 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 It's, it's too big a number. Yeah. It's basically him. Amen. So John writes in uh, 1 John <clears throat> 1 The one who existed from the beginning is the one you have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is Jesus Christ, the word of life. This one who is life from God uh, has show, was shown to us, and we've seen him. And now we testify and announce to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He is with the Father, and then he was shown to us. We are telling you about uh, what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. So let's just say uh, a few things about prophets. The word prophet, there's one primary word in the Old Testament for uh, prophet. And it literally comes from the root that means to bubble forth as a fountain. And so uh, a a prophet is one uh, sent to pour forth the message that God has directly given him or her. Uh, The message is often pretty gloomy. And if you read it throughout the Old Testament, the prophets' messages were often corrective to people who have gone off the deep end. And so most of these prophets were killed because they were the messengers of very bad news. Like, you either stop doing this, or this is going to happen to you. And they're like, that's not going to happen to us. I'm going to kill you. i kill you. Uh, and so, but we're as we're about to see, uh, there are many prophecies that were and are a blessing Given to announce what God was going to do for his beloved creation And namely Jesus Now let's say I want a word about, uh, say a word about modern day prophets uh, Now Paul says that prophets are part of the gifting of the Holy Spirit, right? So there's apostles and prophets and teachers and all that, that whole line But um, Uh, but I don't know about you, but I've met maybe in my 59 and three quarter years, I've met maybe one person who actually had something that seemed like a gift of prophecy. Um, nearly every person I've met who thinks they have the gift of prophecy actually has the quite profound gift of self-deception. <laughs> and typically Wanting to pass that on to others <clears throat> And in my experience It's a classic case of wanting something So bad That the mind creates a false reality That everyone else is expected to co Uh Because you know You can't question it; it's from God This is my spiritual gift so Sure it is Okay <clears throat> um, So b- Beware my brethren and sister Um <laughs> Because as times get closer to Jesus' return, false prophets uh, by the truckload, and I think most likely a lot of those are going to come within, come from within the church, uh, will be filling your heads with uh, that culinary um, delights bologna sauce. So don't believe it. Um, okay. So with that said uh let's look at some prophecies about jesus um let's start with um isaiah seven fourteen. <clears throat> now i was going to actually print off all of these scriptures for you but i could not get my printer to work because of that power outage <laughs> but i i cursed at it and it still didn't help so i was working I was trying um so isaiah 7 14 says all right then the Lord himself will choose a sign. Look, a virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. God is with us. Um, that Now, Isaiah was a prophet who lived in Jerusalem in the 8th century BC. How many years before Christ would that be? Anybody, anybody? Huh? 800, okay, thank you very much. Uh, Chapter 7 of Isaiah, which that is from, is said to have been written about 735 B.C. So 735-ish years before Jesus is born, God gives a message to this fella Isaiah about what's going to happen. I would say that's a pretty good preview. Yeah, coming soon. Well, not so soon coming in a while um the fulfillment of the prophecy we read about in matthew 1 20-23 as he considered this he fell asleep and an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream joseph said david the angel said do not be afraid go ahead with your marriage to mary for a child the child within her has been conceived by the holy spirit she will have a son and you're to name him jesus for he will save his people from their sins And all this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Uh, Quote, look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and he will will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Now, I chose this prophecy first. It's not about Jesus' death and resurrection, which is kind of where we want to go. But I included it because so many Christians do not believe in the virgin birth. Um, It's an interesting thing. I find it curious that we can believe that God spoke everything into existence that there was nothing and god spoke with words and then there was everything right okay we all go yeah i believe that Well, did it happen in seven days well that's another one you know who really knows but whatever uh but he spoke and it happened <clears throat> right we believe that miracles take place we believe that jesus was dead and then made alive again by god Uh, but somehow the virgin birth is an impossibility and i I, this is why i bring that up because there's a lot of stuff that we say we believe about god yet we like to choose a thing here or a thing there that we're like no that could never happen you're like really that couldn't god could not like speak things into existence and do miracles and from the dead and virgin birth isn't possible and so it you know what i mean so we got to check ourselves on that kind of stuff because out of one side of our mouths we say this is god on the other side of our mouths we say well that can't be god and so if, if god what we're going to see here is if god is saying that this is what is that's pretty much what is I think, don't you think? <laughs> I think it's kind of like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, our goal here is to kind of find out, <clears throat> not kind of, our goal is to find out what God is saying. What is he declaring? And what did he declare about Jesus? Like hundreds of years, and in, in one case, over a thousand years, before Jesus actually came to be with us. <clears throat> now, that said uh we should go back to other scripture that says god tells us that his ways are higher than our ways and that his foolishness is superior to our wisest wisdom so we've got to always keep that in mind because sometimes we, we get to be pretty big smarty pants about things and we miss the character of god So, that said, we we have to have some solid notion of the reliability of God's words, right? Um, The Bible has taken many a hit over the last several thousand years, but it still keeps coming up fighting. So, uh, Aaron and I, a while back, came up with a statement that covers all the objections to the scriptures and maintains them as God's words in our minds, and it goes like this. The Bible contains everything God wanted us to know about him. Now, I'm going to leave that with you. You can fight amongst yourselves. Take that (laughs) apart. See if you believe that to be true or not. Because, you know, people say, well, there's errors. There's contradictions. There's this or that. You're like, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't don't think so. I think what's in there is what God wanted us to know about him. And... If there's stuff that's confusing and doesn't make sense and it seems like an error or seems like a contradiction, that's in there because God wants us to do what? Rely on him. God, would you make sense of that for me? Because this doesn't, seems kind of weird. Come on. Right? (laughs) So, there's that sense in our humanity where we kind of, we get a little puffy and we're like, uh, God, that's like a contradiction. So, therefore, You can't be true in here or there or this or that, or maybe you don't exist even because I found a little thing that doesn't make sense to me in your Bible. And I think what the Lord would want us to do is go, exactly, you don't get it, because guess what? You aren't me. Me. And I love you, and I've given you my spirit, and I really want you to know this, but it's you got to be ready for it and here's the other crime of that whole thing is whenever we know something really know it it's usually to the expense of having to rely on god about it right how many of you have soapboxed over the years of things that you know not to be true and you don't need faith to know that anymore because we're terrible at that so god always keeps in reserve for himself the rest of the story, because it's our job to trust him and be faithful and to follow him in places that we don't know where we're going. And even in his words, right? We don't know where we're going, but we're, we're trusting that he's going to make sense of it to us Amen. over time. I met with a, an ancient president of seminary when I, when I went to seminary for two months. Um, and to explain why I was, why I was leaving, <clears throat> money. But uh, I, I asked him about this. I go, what, what do you do? Because I, I had a lot of respect for this fella. And I said, what do you do when you come to something that, that, is, that seems like a contradiction or you don't understand or it doesn't make sense? He goes, you know, I just uh, say, Lord, I don't, I don't really get that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count on you to make this clear to me. And he goes, you know what? <clears throat> Over the years... A lot of those things have come a lot clearer and he was like 89 years old when i had this conversation with him and he was and he still had that fascination and that glow about knowing more of who jesus is i'm like oh maybe i should stay anyway <coughs> <laughs> the rest is assorted history so let's go back to prophecy um, isaiah 53 uh, that was just read uh, this is the prophecy that Messiah will be rejected by his own people. Uh, who has believed our message? To whom will the Lord reveal his saving power? He, had, he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrow is acquainted with the bitterest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. When he went by, he was despised and we did not care. Now, the fulfillment of that would be in uh, the Gospels, John 1, 10 through 11. But although the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him when he came, and even, though his own land, even in his own land and among his own people, he was not accepted. And John 12, uh, 37, but despite all the miraculous signs he had done, most of the people did not believe him. This is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. The Lord who has believed your message, to whom will the Lord reveal his saving power? And in Matthew uh, 26, verse 3, at that same time, the leading priests and other leaders were meeting at the residence of Caiaphas, the high priest, to discuss how to capture Jesus and secretly put him to death. And so uh, another one is the Messiah would be betrayed by one of his followers. In Psalm 41, 9, Even my close friend, whom I trusted, he who shared my bread, Has lifted up his heel against me. And Psalm 55 and 12, it is not an enemy who taunts me, I could bear that. It is not my foes who so arrogantly insult me, I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion, my close friend. Now, this psalm was, the the psalms as a group were finalized probably 200 years before Christ. But this particular psalm was written by David, who who died about 900 years before Christ. So 900 years prior, God was giving mankind a preview of what would be going on with Jesus, that one of his own friends would betray him. And so the fulfillment of this, right, in Matthew 26 and 47. And even as he, said that, as he said this, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with a mob that was armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent out by the leading priests and other leaders of the people. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, teacher, he exclaimed and gave him a kiss. And Jesus said, my friend, go ahead and do what you've come for. Um, in Isaiah 53, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, there's a prophecy that the Messiah will be tried and condemned. Uh, 53 8 from prison and trial they led him away to his death but uh, who among the people realized he was dying for their sins that he was suffering their punishment and of course the fulfillment in the new testament in matthew 27 very early in the morning leading priests and other leaders began to discuss how to persuade the roman government to sentence jesus to death and then they bound him and took him to pilate the roman governor Um, there's prophecy that the Messiah would be beaten and spat upon. In Micah 5.1, mobilize, marshal your troops. The enemy is laying siege to Jerusalem. With a rod, they will strike the leader of Israel in the face. Isaiah 50, I, uh, I give my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pull out my beard. I do not hide from shame, for they mock me and spit in my face. Now Micah uh, was a prophet who was around in the 8th century B.C. And of course we know from the Gospels, they, Matthew 26, they spit in Jesus' face and hit him with their fists. And they slapped him saying, Prophesy to us, you Messiah, who hit you that time. And Matthew twenty-seven thirty, they spit on him. And grabbed a stick and beat him on the head with it. And then in, Matthew, in John 19, it talks about that again. And Pilate had Jesus flogged and with a lead tipped whip. And the soldiers made a crown of long, sharp thorns and put it on his head. And they put a royal robe on him, purple robe, and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they mocked and they hit him with their fists. And then in, in uh, <clears throat> Psalm 22, um, again, the same kind of thing, that would be mocked and taunted. And then in Psalm 22, it, it the prophecy it tries, prophesies about Jesus uh, dying by crucifixion with pierced hands and feet in Psalm 22, 14. My life is poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength has dried up like a sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. and They have pierced my hands and feet. And Zechariah says in 12, Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David and all the people of Jerusalem. They will look on me whom they have pierced and mourn for him as for an only son. Now, Zechariah's prophecy is about 500 years before Jesus. Of course, the fulfillment is found in the Gospels. When they were finally, in Matthew 27, when they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him, and they led him away to be crucified. In John 19, 15, Away with him, they yelled, away with him, crucify him. What, crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate gave Jesus to them to be crucified. Uh, the prophecy in Isaiah 53 about Jesus will suffer with sinners I will give him the honors of the one who is mighty and great because he exposed himself to death he was counted among those who were sinners and of course we know he's crucified between two criminals right and then uh, there's there's even prophecy about Jesus's garments being divided by throwing dice or casting lots Uh, there's prophecy about Jesus' bones not being broken in numbers nine they must not leave any of the lamb until the next morning they must this is for the Passover lamb. Uh, they must not break any of its bones. They must follow all the normal regulations conserving the, concerning the Passover. Um, now numbers was thought to be written by Moses and that probably would have been 1200 years before Jesus. So in the fulfillment, we know Jesus hanging on the cross, right? They come to break his legs to get it done. And they find that he's already dead. So none of the Passover lamb's bones were broken. And then we have in Isaiah 53 that the Messiah must die as a sin offering. But he was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was whipped and we were healed. All of us have strayed away like sheep. We've left God's past to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the guilt and sins of us all. From prison and trial, they led him away to his death. But who among the people realized that he was dying for their sins, that he was suffering for their punishment? I will give him the honors of the one who is mighty and great because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among those who were sinners. And he bore the sins of many and interceded for sinners. And we know that uh, when uh, Jesus... Comes on scene with John the Baptist, and John says, sees him come. He says, Look, here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. <sighs> we have prophecy in Isaiah again about Jesus buried in a rich man's tomb. Mm-hmm. We have prophecy in Psalm that he be raised from the dead. For Psalm 16:10, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your godly one to rot in the grave. And the fulfillment is in Matthew 28. And the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid. He said, I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's been raised from the dead. And he, just as he said it, would happen, Come see uh, where the body was lying. Now go quickly and tell his disciples that he's been raised from the dead. And he is going to, ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there. Remember, I've told you. Man, I don't know about you. It's a bit overwhelming to me. But when you start looking into the scriptures and and you look at paul and say look agree on this say the same thing according to the scriptures so for me i don't want i don't think i'm smart enough to go toe-to-toe with god um, And I think that when the scriptures implore us, like, look, this, these are the prophecies about Jesus. Agree on his death and resurrection based upon the fact that all this stuff was predicted way ahead of time. And then it happened. (laughs) Right? So agree on that. All the rest of the stuff is secondary. We'll figure that out on the way. But if we all are coming together on this message, oh, buddy, we're into something. Because I don't know. Well, I kind of know because vintage is kind of like that. That like weird and wonderful things happen when everybody's like, uh, yeah, you're weird and wonderful. But we agree on Jesus and his death and resurrection. So go ahead, (coughs) exert your weirdness. We're fine. Uh, We're all going to hang out and learn from each other's weirdness inasmuch as we agree on who Jesus is. Um, The truth is that God has been thinking about his creation for a very long time. So long, in fact, that Jesus was plan A from the very beginning. So, as we talked about not too long ago, if a goal of uh, 2020 is to understand things the way God understands them, this then is how God figures Jesus gospel goes. So, it leaves us with one question. Do I believe it? Believe yeah. it. Okay.